Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Craig wins the first race. We stuck to a number that uh, the boys told me that uh, we needed to achieve to get to the finish. We did that. Will wins the second. Yeah, it might have, uh, might have looked easy, but it's never around here. I'll give you the tip. But it's Jamie's championship. It's been a, an intense battle. Uh, you know, on the track, it's been a lot, a lot of fun. You know, we've had some really good battles, which we'll all look back on. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Jamie Winkup is the new champion, but his concerns for the weekend was on securing a 1-2 result for the team. And moving over in pit lane on Saturday allowed Craig Lowndes through and he was able to ensure the result. Craig going on to win his 89th race and now only one behind Mark Scaife on the all-time winner's list. I, I like the place. I think it's a, you know, it is a challenging circuit. It's got some great undulations under brakes into Turn 9. Um, it's got some great aggressive curbs. We've had a, I think the, the biggest win we had is, uh, you know, in driver's briefing we were arguing about uh, those uh, electronic loops and thankfully they've uh, turned them off because, you know, they were, uh, you know, for us a, um, a, a distraction because, you know, one, one lap you'd, you activate it, next lap you wouldn't. Uh, and we, we, we said that uh, the, the curbs would uh, regulate how much racetrack we used and I think today it did approve that. I think that uh, racing was good. Lowndes is now the only two-time winner on the streets of Sydney. Uh, yeah, I think actually both my wins come from when I qualified shithouse. So, uh, You're right. Tomorrow you're going to do this? No. Um, no, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great track. It's a, it's a non-forgiving circuit. Um, you know, I was lucky today, obviously, with a pit stop strategy, and, uh, but the car was good in the end. Tim Slade was the pole sitter and led for most of the race, but he could not hold on to the lead, making a small mistake late in the race. Slade talked about the performance. But no, it's, uh, it's a good result for the team, for, um, for me personally. Uh, get back on the podium is fantastic. It's, uh, it's been trying times, and um, I think today it uh, you know, proves that when everything goes right and the, the car's not so bad, we can, uh, we can get a bit of a result out of it. So it's, um, you know, it's, I was a bit disappointed I wasn't able to race with these guys right to the end. I think uh, we've still got a bit of work to do with the economy side of things because uh, they obviously had better economy. Um, but, uh, yeah, still, we're still a long way from challenging you know, Triple Eight and those guys regularly. Um, we can jag results every now and then like this, but um, you know, until we clean up all those tiny little areas and get everything in, in all our ducks in a row, we're not going to be competing against these guys consistently. So that's what we're focused on for next year. The new car seems to be going along quite well, and, and um, this, I think there's going to be massive changes at uh, the team over the Christmas break. So it's, um, you know, it's exciting times. It's, um, we're 
sort of been putting a band-aid over a lot of things through over the last 12 months and um, you know we're pretty excited about our program next year so it's um, I'm counting down the days till I don't have to get in this thing again so it's uh, I've got one more sleep and uh, then we can move on to the new one. James Courtney was delighted to find his way to the podium in a car that he was happy not to have to drive again. Okay. It's the youngest V8 supercar, that one. So. And podium get it now. So it's, it's good. <laughs> no, I, I probably won't buy my car. <laughs> I don't need it. But it's a good car. It's new. It um, hasn't been crashed. It's um, one lady owner. Is that what the problem is? (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) Blouse is caught in the door. On Sunday, Davison completed his season with a strong win, breaking the triple eight hold on the top step of the podium. It was a great race. For once, it was relatively straightforward, which I enjoyed. I haven't had one of them for a while. Obviously, a couple of early safety cars, but then we're able to settle into a a good, good battle and a good fuel race and trying to save as much to make the stop as quick as possible and all the normal things. So... Managing the brakes is a big issue around here. Uh, I get very hot and, uh, you know, very easy to make a mistake. So uh, I enjoyed that race. I really enjoyed the rhythm I was in and just enjoyed every single lap. So uh, great to have Ford go out on uh, end this great era, the V8 supercars. And, uh, of course, uh, Trading Post, my sponsor last few years, their last event as well. Uh, so uh, great send-off for uh, Car 6. Lowndes' second place made him a lock for second in the championship. Can't complain. You know, we won yesterday. We had a second today. Um, you know, it's been fantastic. Our, our goal today was obviously to uh, to bounce back from last night and uh, score maximum points as much as we could to get second and, and secure a second in the championship, which we were able to do. Courtney could not believe his luck on scoring a second podium in two days. I think the car was actually better yesterday. I think we... Uh Lost a little bit today, like Craig. I think I suffered quite a bit from with the heavy fuel loads with it bouncing around quite a bit. But uh, that's probably when we were strongest. We probably didn't quite have the economy of the other two as well. Um, but, you know, the guys did a good job. We kept the car straight. Um, we had some good clean stops. And um, to bring home two third places, if someone told me that coming into the weekend, I would have said, you're joking. But uh, it's pretty good to come away from this weekend. The last time with these cars and uh, to get to third place. And also qualifying's been... The racing hasn't been... Like, our race pace has been better than qualifying, but to get third, I think, was probably the bigger goal for us as a team today and Garth to get uh, P1. It's, um, finally, it's only taken seven years for them to work out the qualifying with this car and uh, it's unfortunately it's the last time that they do it. So um, get a bit of work to do over, over Christmas and make sure we hit the ground running with the car of the future. Roland Dane has told the V8 Insiders that Jamie Wincup has purchased Kate his championship winning car. Uh, Jamie's going to, to, he's buying his car and keeping it and I'm sure yeah, that, uh, that place in history for Team Vodafone will, will be preserved. Craig Lowndes, Jamie bought his car was there a good staff discount on it, you, or it wasn't good enough for you to buy yours? Well, I don't know. The way it looks, it's, uh, I think he was trying to get some um, some discounts. He's beaten it up a bit, so uh, I don't know whether it's going to cost him less to buy but more to fix, or whether it should have been uh, less less to fix and just more to buy. But, uh, um, yeah, look, he's uh, obviously very passionate. He loves the car. Um, at the end of last year, actually, um, uh, two years ago, sorry, he wanted to go back to uh, to Kate, and uh, the team gave him the option to it, and ever since then it's been a yeah, great relationship. So uh, um, it, she's been faithful to him. Um, she's obviously served him well. Um, he's, he's got no complaints, which is unusual. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it's almost a match made in heaven. Jamie talked about finally being able to celebrate the victory. Yeah, we just wanted to bottle it. You know, we've had such an awesome year. You know, Bathurst, 
Gold Coast, uh, Adelaide. You know, we've had such a, a good time and we've just bottled it up, bottled it up, and now it's time to really reflect on a, on a huge year. And, uh, yeah, yeah, unbelievable feeling. Just standing on the top step, standing on the podium with, with the trophies, uh, it's a phenomenal feeling. Wing Cup will be heading to Bangkok for the Race of Champions, which will interrupt the team's celebration slightly. <clears throat> I'm actually trying to lower everyone's expectation, actually. I'm... Uh, a lot of those guys, uh, if anyone doesn't know, I'm going to race the champions in two weeks' time in Bangkok, which uh, it's like a stadium sort of race with rally cars, little KTM buggies, a whole lot, and doing a, cutting a few laps. So um, going over there with Mick Doohan. Um, Mick, Mick's got a go-kart track at his house from seven world championships. He can build himself a new, uh, his own track around the complex. So uh, I'll get out there in the next couple of weeks and some go... Five, is it? Oh, Okay. I'm counting cases. Um, yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll go out there and get on the go-karts and uh, cut little Aussie racing cars as well and cut some laps before we get there and uh, then, yeah, then head over. So as I say, Schumacher and Vettel and those guys, Andy Prio, they've, they've done it four or five years in a row now. So, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm keeping my expectations quite low. Um, 32 of, uh, of the Team Vodafone guys are coming over to... Uh, to film the Hangover 3 in the, in the days following. So um, hopefully I'm sober enough to do a good job for Australia in the, in the big race on the, on the Saturday, Sunday night. We have more from Jamie Winkup on this week's White Flag Lap. Scott Pye took out the victory in the Dunlop Series last weekend. The win clinching him not only his first victory in the series, but assured him of the Mike Cable Rookie of the Year awards at the Monday night banquet. Fantastic to say the least, but um, you know, obviously, huge congratulations first of all to Scott McLaughlin. Uh, yeah, he did a solid job all year, but to my guys, uh, you know, the car was fantastic. Every time it hit the track, car was great, and. Uh, you know, they've helped me immensely. immensely. Coming from uh, formula racing to supercars has been a big big transition, but made a lot easier by those guys. Um, this weekend, started off tough. You know, we knew it was going to be being a street circuit, and uh, I found that Townsville was probably our toughest round this year. So coming here, I was uh, under, pr- under pressure from myself, really, to perform, and uh, fortunately we did that. You know, the, the car again was great, and uh, I felt like I came to terms with the track fairly quickly. Did feel early that we were probably fourth quickest, but as the weekend went on and through the two races, I think we became the fastest, and uh, I felt you know very deserving of that win. I, I tried quite hard and almost feel like it's overdue. Winton got away from us, but great result here. Scott McLaughlin's absence from the Dunlop Series press conference was a mystery to everyone, including Chris Jewell. Just to reiterate, uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, will not be coming to the media conference, unfortunately. Uh, all will come out in the next 10 minutes, and it has nothing to do with the championship result or any is- health issues whatsoever, but you're going to find out before long. I've only been told by Cole Hitchcock that he's been cleared not to attend this media conference. I too don't know what's going on, but I guess you'll find the story pretty quickly. Following his main game debut, we caught up with the new Dunlop Series champion and asked him about his day and the surprise of driving the Fujitsu car in place of Alex Prema. Yeah, it's all of my dreams. Like Yesterday was my dreams with my two championship contenders crashing out and the next day was today winning the Dunlop series and then getting off the podium and being told to go down to Gary Rogers for a seat fit you're jumping in the main series car that was uh, just topped everything off it's just been a fantastic weekend for my Fujitsu team and myself and um, you know I can't can't thank everyone enough, you know, we've worked so hard for this and um, yeah, the reward was so satisfying. At Monday night's awards banquet, it was, as you've already heard, Scott Pye who took out the Rookie of the Year honours. The best and fairest driver went to Mark Frosty Winterbottom who finished third in the championship, whilst Craig Lowndes and David Reynolds 
finished equal second in the voting. The legends of V8 Supercars, their Hall of Fame, saw Tony Cochran inducted for his 16 years of sometimes controversial leadership at the helm of V8 Supercars. The inaugural V8 Media Awards were held at Monday lunchtime. The awards were voted on by over 50 journalists and broadcasters in the V8 Supercar Media Centre across the Sydney weekend with performer, journalist, publisher and now V8 Supercar Commissioner Chris Lambden doing the official tally ahead of the presentation on the Monday. Lifetime Achievement Awards presented to Ray Berghaus, the publisher of Chevron and also photographer. John Evans, a journalist, publisher, and also a guest on V8 Insiders. Will Hagen's radio and television work was acknowledged, along with the commentary and journalism of Barry Oliver. And John Stoneham, the cartoonist in auto action, was also given the nod. Other categories... The best PR stunt was Vodafone's King of the Mountain tribute livery. And then in the best online video, the winner was 50 Years of Bathurst Legends tribute. Richard Crail, who joins us tonight on the show, was voted the best TV and track commentator. Whilst the V8 Insiders took out the best V8 radio program or podcast. The best photographer was Dean Dirk Kleinsmith. Whilst the best publication reporting on V8 supercars went to Auto Action, with V8X Magazine in second and Speed Cafe in third. The best V8 supercar news stories was Shane Van Gisbergen quitting V8 supercars by Grant Rowley of Speed Cafe, with Mark Fogarty equal runner-up with himself, with his V8 rumours on Merck running riot and also the Red Bull is here story. The best feature in V8 Supercars was by Bruce Newton. The Supermerc, the whole story feature in auto action getting the nod. Whilst the best V8 Supercar race coverage went to speedcafe.com. And the journalist of the year was Mark Fogarty from Fairfax and Auto Action. With runner-up Grant Rowley from Speed Cafe. And third place, Adrian Mussolino from V8X Magazine. All great contributors here to us at the V8 Insiders as well. Congratulations to all the winners in this year's inaugural V8 Media Awards. And finally, the latest edition of V8X Magazine is now available. Check out how HRT are preparing to turn things around to wake the sleeping lion. You can also find it online at the Mag Store and, of course, in all good news agents. And that's the news for Nobrac carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range today at nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Race Facts and, of course, Auto Facts. It was the best faxed publication voted by all the V8 media in Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. Good evening to you. And in a one-horse race, yeah, good to know. And a man who uh, has had a remarkable year. We uh, we call him the Eddie Maguire of motorsport, and he has picked up a, the great gong for being the best track commentator slash TV commentator slash personality. And I think Richard Kral fits into all three of those categories very comfortably. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Chuck. Uh, don't know if it's deserved or not, but uh, I'm very flattered. Um, yeah, it's uh, tucked up a pretty cool year. So uh, thanks for that introduction, mate. Very nice of you. We, we might have be calling Ricky everywhere. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I got a bit on. I, I get around a bit. Yeah. I'm sure no one minds that at all. Guys, uh, interesting Sydney race uh, races last weekend and of course uh, Craig Lowndes, he took the win on Saturday but I, I didn't mention this in the news but he did cop a 25 point penalty for turning Garth Tander around uh, which has which he went from a slight lead in for the battle for second to a slight deficit but he backed it up on Sunday with another strong performance but he's now Tony one win away from Mark Scaife and you would have to think with a uh, contract like he's got in his hand to stay with team uh, to stay with Triple Eight Race Engineering, he is going to uh, surpass ninety wins by some margin. I, I think he'll probably do it fairly early in the season. Yes, wet sails, and he'll come home screaming down the straight and uh, take those all important leading uh, wins. Yeah, there's no doubt about it that um, he has been a class act. Unfortunately, only outshone by uh, his teammate. Um, I was uh, just discussing this very same thing with uh, David Siegel on Saturday, Craig's manager. Was it a wise idea for Craig and David to be recommending a role and they should employ Jamie? <laughs> um, yes, well, he certainly has outshone Craig in the last six years he's been with the team, but um, I'm sure Craig is appreciative of the fact that he's got somebody who's pushed him up to 89 wins. It is a remarkable story, the team... Vodafone story. It it takes a special place in history, much like the Winfield, Nissan's, Richard, or even the Marlboro Commodores. Uh, well, the entire Marlboro Holden dealer team reign. Yeah, it does. Um, and these these eras are, are eras the sport has every now and then, and, and we've seen it we've seen it over the years. And it's funny, isn't it, how with the benefit of of hindsight and the benefit of looking back in time how it, you know, everyone's complaining now how dominant they are and how it's bad for the sport, but in um, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, I'm sure a lot of people will look back at it and go, gee, remember that era when, when Triple Eight dominated? I mean, how amazing were they? As as we now look back at the days when the HDFE dominated Bathurst and uh, when the Nissan dominated and all those, those years that are now etched into the history of our sport. So they're creating an incredible, um, an incredible record, an incredible bit of their own history and um, a bit of history for the sport. On the Craig Lowndes thing, there's no doubt he's going to knock Scafie's record off the, 
the question mark in the back of his brain is how long is he going to hold that for, assuming Winkup keeps up his current winning rate? Because uh, James is going to catch him very quickly. I think James is in the 60s now, isn't he, already? Something along those lines. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's a wonderful stat, um, Craig, uh, Richard, that um, uh, when he started, uh, Lamb started his winning move. Back at Eastern Creek in um, 96, he uh, won the opening round at his debut meeting in the, in the uh, what was then the Shell Australian Touring Car Championship. He won two of the three races. It was a short track. It was under lights at Eastern Creek. He won the opening round in those two or three races. And that day, he matched HRT's eight-year history in the category. <laughs> they had been at it for eight years, and all they had was Brocky had won two races in a round in the eight years prior. And that was the start of the decade of dominance, uh, you know, from, from when HRT, through that period of time, would roll their cars out of the truck, whether it was Lowndes, Scaife on board, um, and then, and then uh, later on Tander and co, that, you know, just remarkable. But it's a great stat that in, in his opening meeting, he, he matched the team's eight-year history. Mm. He was able to get that victory because Tim Slade, who sat on the pole and made a slight mistake, ended up uh, dropping back to third and fighting his way back to second. And we can't also deny that uh, Jamie Winkup pulling over in pit lane also had a lot to do with it as well. And uh, I guess that just shows that uh, Winkup isn't all about himself. He's not an egotistical man. And he is very much uh, understands how the game is played, and it's played by following the rules. Yes, indeed. Look, it's probably worthwhile pointing out, Slady. I mean, eleven times in the last eleven meetings or races of the year, Slady stuck it in the top ten, and uh, remarkable consistency, race consistency. He hasn't yet, you know, regularly cracked the qualifying. He did break a record that he hadn't had a pole position and he got that on Saturday. Not able to back it up on Sunday and just back in eighth place. But, you know, again, you know, we ended up in the top four on Sunday. And, you know, as I said, eight in a row, 11 in a row, he was in the top ten, which is a remarkable consistency at this level. So, you know, Slady is certainly one of the coming men and, you know, fits, you know, comfortably alongside the uh, the Lowndes and uh, Win Cup in that elite class. Richard? Yeah, and since, since the Sandown 500, um, Tim Slade, if the championship started at the 500 and finished at, uh, at Sydney, he would have been third. So he outscored everyone bar two. So he's had a great end to the year. And, and I think um, maybe even... Uh, look, those that know the sport have known that, that Tim has been a coming man for a long time and, and he's one of our, our next generation of stars and the performances he's put in this year especially have been brilliant. But maybe a... a, a I don't know, a sigh of relief, but certainly a, a bit of a... It makes the offseason a little bit easier for Stone Brothers having lost Shane Van Gisberg. And we all know how good Lee Holdsworth is, but now that um, that Tim has truly shown what he's capable of, um, they know that they've still got a, a proper gun in one of their cars, and, and Lee Holdsworth is just solid as ever in the other. So good for Stone Brothers, uh, Erebus going forward, but great display, Dan. He's a great character. I've known Tim for a long time, and... He's a fantastic bloke, and he's still down to earth, modest, and I think he's going to be a great star for our for our sport moving forward. We've got a great 
we've got a great interview with uh, Tim coming up in the off-season too. I had a, a good long chat to him at Sydney, and uh, he is uh, a very down-to-earth guy. He's not a character like David Reynolds is, uh, but he has a personality, and he does, uh, he does talk about things in a very honest and open way, Tony. Yes, indeed, you're very right. And, uh, and look, because he has come up through the hard school, I mean, while he's been a protege of James Rosenberg right back uh, through F3 days um, and the development series and ran his own car, I mean, I can remember seeing him pushing his car up um, pit lane back in the days uh, running his own ex-Larry car, I think it was. Um, you know, he is, um, you know, knows exactly what it entailed in getting there and doesn't, uh, doesn't have airs of pretension about him or anything like that. Mm. Now, of course, uh, we'll skip ahead to Sunday because the era of the V8 supercar in its current configuration was on that day and Will Davison has the honour of being the last winner in this, what is it now, 14-year-old or even 16-year-old? Well, no, it's 20-year-old. 20-year-old. Cars rolled out in 93. Right. That was the first era of when... Um, they were five-litre cars, and it was just Holdman Ford out there at 20 years. Uh, what Basically, you... the, the last vestiges of, of Group A, isn't it, really? From, yeah. from even right back to um, back to 85, in a way, you can link it back with those regs that, that the VN and the early VP and, and EB Falcons developed from in 92. Um, and they, they were the regs that, that Group A was, was based out of in 93. So, yeah... It, the end of an era, for sure. 20 years. Is the uh, Will Davison win just putting a, a centre punch and, a, and an exclamation point on his abilities? Because his figures were very, very strong mathematically. Unfortunately, his bad days were atrocious, whereas other drivers, uh, particularly Jamie, uh, Craig and the like, when they had a bad day, they were still picking up good points, Tony. Badly. I mean, of course, and he caused the one DNF for the year for uh, for Win Cup, um, and I'm sure as, as old flatmate they wouldn't have uh, wanted that. But um, look, you know, he, he sits uh, second, is it, in the number of wins for the year? But you know, too many downs, too many, you know, back in the in the low teens, um, and not enough uh, uh, regularly in the top tens is why he's so far off at the end of the points in fourth place in the championship. Mm. No doubt about it that um, he has qualifying speed. He's broken a mantle that uh, Jamie had for four years in winning that overall uh, Armoral yearly trophy. Um, So he's taken that from them, which is terrific that that's happened. Not that it's taken from Jamie, but the fact that somebody else has stepped up. And that's the one thing that really has happened this year, where FPR got the qualifying pace to be regularly up there. And that's uh, quite demonstrable that um, they were able to do it. Not that Jamie lost his speed, because Jamie hadn't uh, started off the front row until Homebush, I think. You know, there was something like a row of about 10 or so front row starts, and it was only two fifth places at Homebush as to he's off the front row. (laughs) Remarkable consistency there. And so he clearly kept his pace, but somebody was occasionally stepping up and taking his bowls. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the Van Insiders, but after the break, we'll be talking... James Courtney. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. 
You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Uh, joining me this week, Tony Whitlock and Richard Crowell. And Crowley, one man who seemed... Well, I even said to Garth Tander, I said, I think your teammate's more ecstatic about your pole position than you are. He was absolutely over the moon that he, I think he might have called it a steaming piece, um, was able to get him two podiums. Yeah, and the, the, the Sunday press conference was very funny and a bit of um, a bit of repartee between himself and Will Davison, who have both been in the, uh, the second HRT car as it is. Um, yeah, it's great for the sport to see Holden Racing Team back towards the front at the pointy end of the season, and it'll give them a push going into the off-season, and um, by all all accounts, they're pretty well advanced on the Car of the Future project, so bodes well going into next year, and the thing I like about James Courtney going into next year is that the next generation of V8 supercar is very much going to be what his driving history prior to this current spec of V8 supercar is based on. So Japanese GT open wheelers in Europe and, and he's the first to admit that the car of the future suits his driving style better. It's, it's a bit more open wheel style, more of a grippy, more mid-corner, all that kind of stuff. So, look, positive um, and and great that HRT could end what's been a pretty wretched season on a strong note because, like them or not, they're still one of the most popular teams in the sport thanks to their brilliant history and, and all the tradition that goes with it. V8 supercars needs the Holden Racing Team to be strong. Um, and we want them to be strong next year because we need somebody to go out and challenge um, challenge Triple Eight and uh, and FPR. So hopefully it can be them. Mm. And of course, Tony, an interesting thing was it wasn't just James getting back onto the podium. He's got a lot of new guys that have moved over into his garage and working on his car that probably needed that boost of a podium or a couple of podiums just to buoy them into the new year. Yeah, well, HRT is certainly in Walkinshaw's are restructuring the way the race team works um, and to uh, not only suit a, a new year but the new car. And uh, with uh, you know departure of Mike Henry and Eric Pender, um, other, some guys are moving upwards and others moving across. And, yeah, I mean, I have no doubt. I mean, much as I dislike, for instance, Collingwood, I know the importance of them in the AFL in the same way I don't dislike HRT. But it's important that they do well um, because there are an awful lot of people out there who do like them. And, you know, in order to keep the category as strong as it is, they need to be far more successful. And let's face it, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, that having Nissan and Mercedes in there is to attract new people in, to attract people there to follow, you know, different teams. Um, and while Kelly's may lose some people because they're fierce Holden and same with Stone Brothers, there'll be others who come on board. And uh, it's a very important thing. And part of it, what I've always believed is that, you know, we didn't have just a two-horse race. It, it was every team that made their own chassis. And that that will become part of it. I mean, I, obviously, the, the brand that's on the grill is important. But I think there'll be also far more development of, you know, which team do you follow, not just which driver. 
Mm. Now, interesting, Richard, that Tony Cochran gets himself into the Hall of Fame after, what is it, 16 years of up and down popularity across the uh, across the spectrum of V8 supercars, V8 supercar fans, V8 supercar teams. But uh, I don't think anyone disagrees that Tony should be the first non-driver to be initiated into that Hall of Fame. There was no way he wasn't going to be. As soon as he announced his, uh, his retirement that he was moving on, there was no doubt. Um, and deservedly so. I mean, I don't think anyone's under any illusion that we'd be where we are without... Tony driving it forward like he has, and, and it's funny, isn't it, that a lot of a lot of motorsports, successful motorsports, have been driven by one person or one person leading a small group of people. And Formula One and Bernie Eccleston is is one thing, and um, you look at the United States with Don Panos and the American Le Mans series, and, and getting them and Grand Am together, and uh, IndyCar's probably not quite so shining an example of that in recent times, but. You know, one person grabs it, drives it forward, and, and got that cult of personality that um, that rallies people behind it, and, and has that bullishness to sell a product that that at the time probably didn't deserve to be sold. So that, that's why we are where we are, and fantastic. We counterbalance that though um, when uh, V8 Supercars Australia are handing a gong to one of their own events in Bathurst being the event of the year. And a certain amount of cynicism says, mm, maybe they should take themselves out of the equation to the uh, event of the year. I mm. mean, when they're giving the, you know, from one management to the other. It's interesting. Uh, a bit of a question mark on that one. It's interesting, though, that you, Tony Cochran's the first non-driver to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But the Clipsal 500, which, yes. you know, you could call that non-driver, but it's it's certainly an event made it before an administrator. And there's not too many sports in the world that something like that would happen because administrators generally are the first ones to go in because they're normally the ones picking it. Well, the great thing is, of course, that they... I mean, Adelaide has an enormous place in world Formula One history, in world motorsport history. It showed Eccleston, and I don't use his first name because I don't like the man, but Adelaide showed the rest of the world, Mal Hemmeling and all his guys that set that up, how to actually do Formula One. They set the tone in terms of corporates and everything else that was important in the way Formula One is done now, paddock clubs, all those things. Um, and I mean, here's another part of the equation, of course, is as Hemmeling told me, that if Bob Jane hadn't run those early callers with Fauna Pacific, the Adelaide Grand Prix never would have happened. Because mm. Eccleston saw that he was an opportunity to bring a Grand Prix to Australia. And Bob Jane was offered the chance to actually run the South Australian Grand Prix, the Adelaide Grand Prix there. But he declined it anyway. Mm. Interesting story. What about Frost? Sorry, Richard? I was going to say, Craig, the, the big question is... Um would and we could dedicate an entire show to it. Is would V8 Supercar be where it is now if the Clips of 500 didn't happen? My answer would be no, um, because that event that drew 165,000 people in its first year over three yeah. days proved that the product was sellable and workable. I, I, I agree totally with you, Richard. In, in the same way that the Grand Prix set the tone and, and made Formula One far more in in the 90s um, to what it is today. Um, I agree, you know, that it, it set a tone for the, the uh, growth of V8 supercars. And it is a great event, and absolutely, and one of the world's best touring car events. Mm. But it has to be said, would the Adelaide Clipsal 500 be what it is without its Formula One legacy? Because Probably not. Because in my opinion, in my opinion, Richard, without that Formula One legacy, 
it would be like Sydney struggling for an identity. Townsville's got an identity, but uh, it's got its own set of problems just through the tyranny of distance. Canberra couldn't do it, and uh, you could probably line up, uh, well, Hamilton couldn't do it. It, it. it is that uniqueness of a combination of a good, solid uh, organisation with a legacy that people want to see preserved. I agree with that, absolutely. And, and the Adelaide street circuit, and there's, there's probably, what, five proper full-on street circuits in the world that you'd say have a soul and have a history like a spa or a Nürburgring or whatever. Uh, and you throw Monaco in that, obviously, Long Beach, which has been around for so long, and, and one or two others. Um, but you look at Adelaide, and you flash back to 1986, and you see Mansell with the blown tyre, and you flash back to Centre in the rain, and all these things that, that give the circuit such great history that a Phillip Island and a Bathurst and all these tracks have got. So of all the racetracks in Australia, permanent or not, it's in the top four or five for recognition and in terms of, of being iconic, and I think that's the same. I would also say that had Clips have just come straight out of the blue, probably would have had a better chance of succeeding as ever because Adelaide's so keen for events and so keen to shred this little city, little backward country town image that it probably would have gone okay. But no, I agree that um, absolutely uh, the, the history of that place in Formula One is um, pretty good to it. And, and Can I just add one, one last thing? Um, I, I think ha- having come from living in Victoria, although I'm a New South Welshman, lived in Adelaide for many years and had some of the best times of my life there and loved the city enormously, used to get tired of the chip on the shoulder when Adelaide would go on. Any city in the world that has an international event for 11 years should not have been sniping about the way in which Victoria had stolen it. It was always going to leave there at some stage. Better it went to Victoria for a period of time than it left here totally. Um, and, you know, it just used to bother me that the city couldn't grow up enough to say, yes, it's gone somewhere else. All right, well, it's a city that likes big events. It's a city that likes big events, and it normally likes to hold them on the same weekend. But we'll move on because our final topic for today, and we've got Jamie Wincup coming up in the white flag lap, is the media Hall of Fame inductees, and uh, where as they as you heard in the news, Stony Barry, Barry Oliver, Will Hagen, Ray Burkhouse, and John Evans all going in. Now I know Tony, you've had an opportunity to speak to. Just about all of them. Yes, indeed. And anyone who's under any delusion that it doesn't mean anything um, should have been on the phone with me when I told Barry and Will and Ray and John, uh, John Stone, that is, I didn't get to speak to John Evans, that you know they all were incredibly pleased because they've all been de- devoted and passionate for a long, long time, you know, 40 or more years, to covering the sport. And it meant an enormous amount and still means an enormous amount to them. Whether, you know, where, where it goes from that, the fact is that people recognise that these are guys who should be remembered for what they've given to this sport. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think, uh, Richard, no one would deny the efforts that uh, anyone in the media centre does put in to try and cover VAT supercars, touring cars, and of course all the associated support events. Yeah, I mean, it's a constant battle in motorsport to get it mainstream press recognition. The, the internal industry press is really strong. Uh, and I think if you compare to what the, the industry puts out, and I'm talking about your, your speed cafes and your auto actions and V8X and all these magazines, um, is, is excellent. And, and even compared to an AFL or an NRL, I think motorsport punches above its weight. Our, our issue is cracking the mainstream press. And, 
and that's the biggest thing that the sport still has an issue with, not just here but around the world as well, I think. But um, oh, you, you can't begrudge them. And, and just to back up what Tony said, I mean, I, um, I, I was floored to be even even nominated in an elite group of people for the, for the gong on Monday and, and to be able to um, to actually win that was it, it, it knocked me off my feet um, because to, to get the respect of the people that you work with uh, weekend to weekend and, and your peers especially is, is mind-blowing so to, for the, the Hall of Fame um, that's a, it's a great thing because it's been voted on by the people that have worked with them and um, associated with them for in some instances like Tony a very very long time so, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great thing, and, and full credit to all, all those five guys because it's um, well-deserved. Sony, um, in particular, and, and Baz Oliver, who I had the good fortune to call with a couple of times, um, yeah, really, really great. Mm. And, of course, Tony, uh, Tony Whitlock, a, a good friend of ours here on the Verd Insiders, Tony Shebeki had a, had a fantastic idea. It just uh, is going to be uh, uh, an interesting one if we can sell it, and that is to have all the members of the Media Hall of Fame up in the media centre at Bathurst. Yeah, I, I'll be chasing that up. And look, and, and Stoney mentioned about the idea of also putting those same photos in the Bathurst uh, National Motor Museum, which is a terrific idea as well, um, because that way the public sees them. Um, mm. It's great that the people in the media see who those ones are. And look, it's really important that people see what people look like. Oh, that's what Barry Oliver looks like. That's what Ray Berghaz looks like. Because there are a good number of these young people, I mean, 20-year-olds who just got no idea. I mean, they, they didn't see them. They didn't see them at their, their peak and their glory sort of days. And I think that's a really good thing for that to happen. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see just where it goes from here. But uh, certainly for Stoney, Barry Oliver, Will Hagen, Ray Berghaus and John Evans, they are the inaugural inductees and, uh, and they get to enjoy that honour now for per- per- perpetuity. Yeah, that's great. Guys, and, I mean the other thing with the media going too, so so get them in there and and tell the, the the youngsters who are coming into the sport to write about it and cover it and photograph it that um, who these people are and 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 what a media association's aim is to do is it's, it's not to get better sausage rolls or someone was commenting, it's to you know spread the word as to who's doing the work to recognise those people who are doing the great work and to reward them. Yep, exactly right there, Tony. Guys, what are you hoping from 2013, just as we wrap it up? Well, this, this is a topic that could go on for hours, but um, I, I'm hoping... Oh, the press conference on Sunday was great because Will Baverson said, I, I don't think there's been anything boring about the domination of FPR and Team Voter for AAA. Uh, James Courtney disagreed with that, and uh, there was a bit of uh, banter between the two of them. I'm sort of in Will's court. I think it's been really interesting to see those two teams arm wrestling. It's been great. And it's been like Formula 1 has been for so long. We've traditionally only ever had two or three teams ever contending for victory. However, not good for the sport overall. We want to see 10 different race winners in a season on pure merit. So my hope for next year is that when we get to Clipsal 500, we've got four different marks of car somewhere around the mark. And I'm under no illusion that it's going to take some time for Nissan and uh, Erebus Mercedes to get up to speed but somewhere around the mark that we can have a very competitive championship next year um, and, and great racing. That, that's all you can hope for isn't it? That we continue to build this product that we've got and, and put on the best possible show. Never lose sight for the fact that what we need to do is make sure that the people that pay to go and sit in the stands and the people that tune in on television 
uh, the number one reason why we're doing this. So mm. I think that's the key, and that's what we need to, um, to look for for next year. But my, my hope's just for good racing, simple as that. Tony? Times as well. We have, we have a good time covering it, I think, don't we, boys? So um, we just want the, the attitude and the easygoing nature that the sport is in compared to others um, to, to continue on. I, I think the biggest thing would be a, a wider spread of winners. And, and that's not only to bring new winners in, but to bring some past winners back. Um, you know, clearly the HRTs and, and the Stone Brothers and uh, and Brad Jones, for instance, you know, with Brighty and, and Fabian Coulthard, to get Reynolds and Coulthard on the top step, um, to, to get Gary Rogers' guys, uh, whoever the second one may be, um, to get some new faces appearing in press conferences. Uh, I mean, it... it it has all the earmarks and the ingredients. I mean, there are still question marks about what the final cost of a car will be. Um, the year has enormous challenges in terms of scheduling, um, people making all those race meetings because some of them, you know, three days after they appeared in the Gold Coast, supposed to be in Abu Dhabi, and, and it is three days um, by the time you take out any repair work at all and try and get them on planes. Same thing in Tassie to New Zealand. Um, going back to a traditional uh, event like uh, Pookie, I mean, should see vast numbers of people go there. Um, you know, there are an enormous number of things to uh, attract next year's season. Um, and but I'd say the biggest thing I'll be looking forward to is a, a wider spread of winners. Now, obviously, you know, the older one of the oldest adages in motorsport of uh, cream rises to the top. Yeah, of course it does. And uh, those who have bigger budgets will find it easier to get the new cars up to speed. But the hope is that um, pure skill and daring of uh, guys who make the cars and guys who drive them will get a wider spread of, of people up the uh, top step. Tony and Richard, pleasure to catch up with you here on the V8 Insiders. And you. And you. Have a great Christmas to the both of you. Jamie Winkup is up next. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air. Jamie Winkup talks about his season and claiming his fourth Championship. Yeah, hey, it feels unbelievably good to be honest. Um, yeah, we just wanted to bottle it. You know, we've had such an awesome year. You know, Bathurst, Gold Coast, uh, Adelaide. You know, we've had such a, a good time, and we've just bottled it up, bottled it up, and now it's time to really reflect on a on a huge year. And uh, yeah, yeah, unbelievable feeling. Just standing on that top step, standing on the podium with with the trophies, uh, phenomenal feeling. You've had that time to think about the year. In reflection, what do you think was the difference between you, Craig, Will and, and Frosty? Um, oh, hey, what was the difference between the four? Um, it was consistency, you know. Um, trying to, my, my, my bad days were, uh, were better than their bad days. You know, we all, we all had wins, we all had great cars and uh, we, all, we all shone at some stage during the year. But, um, yeah, my bad days weren't as bad as theirs. Your consistency and your ability to get every ounce out of the car has been remarkable. I guess, highlighted particularly by your drive at Winton where you just drove through the field. Yeah. Can you talk about what the synergy is between you and this car? 
Um, obviously, uh, we're, we're working extremely well together, and uh, it all gets put together by a great engineer as well. Dutto, uh, Dutto the guy in my corner, he's, this is his fourth championship. So uh, he's, uh, he's one of the all-time great uh, you know, engineers um, in, in the modern era. So um, he's, he's a massive part, um, along with the rest of the crew. You know? All branches off from Roland, or ATB. Um, you know, all the way down through the commercial team to the mechanics. Um, we've got no weak link. Everyone's, uh, you know, no one's more important than anyone else. We all just go about our racing, and everyone's uh, everyone's got unbelievably good values to uh, to want to win, and that's uh, that's the main thing. How have you seen the team develop? You got there in the better electrical days. You've now gone through the Vodafone days. How has this team morphed into such a juggernaut? Uh, we've. Uh you know, you know what? It's, it's it's easy when you're when you're the underdog and you're you're trying to find that number one spot. You know, and you get there, and it's um, stupidly hard to hang on to that. You know, we well, one two last year. To do it again the following year um, to keep the motivation is um, extremely tough. But uh, as I say, these guys, you know, they've got unbelievable values. They're they're just as committed as uh, as anyone. There's no weak link, and you know, they uh, they deserve all the praise they get. You talked about after, I think it was the second championship, how burnt out and how tiring it was. How have you been able to switch your mental focus around to be able to keep yourself fresh and to keep yourself at tune? Uh, just become more organised off track, you know. Got, uh, got some great people around me to, uh, to support me, um, which, uh, which has been the key. So um, still putting in the same intensity, but um, yeah, got, a, got an awesome support staff. Are you more relaxed now? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I've been more relaxed this year than I have been for for a long time. So, uh, just going out there, just trying to trying to enjoy it. Um, it's not going to be around forever. Um, you know, this feeling of uh, of winning in the the best category in Australia in in uh, my chosen sport, motorsport. That's not going to last forever. So, just trying to lap it up while it's uh, while it's here. Now you talk about the party that includes a race in Bangkok. Yeah. How serious do you take it? Is it like having a uh, uh, match in London after the grand final? <laughs> no, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm going to do a little bit of prep, go over there and, uh, and have a bit of fun. But like always, as soon as I strap the helmet on, it's, uh, it's going to be on. I'm going to try to try to represent the country the best I can. And uh, I feel like I've got the whole Viet Supercar community on my back as well to, uh, to do well. So uh, a bit of a joke up there before. But, um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have a bit of a crack for sure. Yeah. Wins with Ford, wins with Holden, and now a car, a new car to come with new competition. Is that the challenge that now drives you? Uh, for sure. You know, you've got to keep it fresh. If it stays uh, the same year in, year out, it um, becomes stale. So um, certainly with next year, new naming rights sponsor, um, car of the future, it's, it's fresh, you know, and uh, new motivation. So we'll go, we'll go out there and uh, try to repeat what we've done this year. Congratulations once again. All the very best. Four-time champ. Not a problem. Thank you. Cheers. My thanks to Richard Kral, Tony Whitlock, and, of course, Jamie Winkup there. Next week we'll have a special interview with Roland Dane about his Team Vodafone years. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. But as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au. 